Shut up and sit down. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the fourth episode of Third Shift. I'm one of your hosts, Matt, and with me, as always, is our other host, Eric. Eric, how the hell have you been this week? Oh, doing great. This week, as per usual, I've been playing some Battleborn, uh, getting in a lot of matches, actually, with Pendles, uh, mostly against him. I've played him a few times myself, but he wasn't my jam. Mm-hmm. Besides that, I've been getting back in the groove in another game I play, World of Warcraft, and uh, we've been prepping for my daughter's upcoming birthday, so nice. putting together all sorts of little goodie bags and figuring out what foods we need, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's me. What about you, buddy? Well, all this week I've been in South Dakota, so I haven't been playing anything. But it has been amazing seeing all the sights. Mount Rushmore, drove out to Devil's Tower, uh, Badlands National Park. It's just been amazing. So that's this week for us, and uh, pulling back the curtain a little bit here for you, we're recording a day early, because our usual recording day, Thursday, is a travel day for me. So I'm going to let Eric go ahead and fill you in on what happened this week in Gearbox, and I'll be back for the topics. To start things off, there are a couple shift codes released, one being for Borderlands the pre-sequel, and the other being an epic loot pack in Battleborn. If you haven't got those already, check out our show notes below, and you can pick those up. Secondly, I wanted to go ahead and make note that uh, on PC only, August 13th, the Gears of Battle will be hosting a Battleborn competition. There'll be three parts to this thing, and Gearbox themselves will be offering shift codes for epic loot packs as rewards and accumulating in a third tournament where $300 will be given away to the winners. Uh, anyone's free to enter playing on the PC. You must have a full team. If you want any other details, please go to the link below in our show notes and check that out. Uh, in the battle plan this week, they went ahead and uh, posted a couple nerfs to Melka. It was our base health and some damage, if I'm not mistaken. If you want some more info on that, please check out the battle plan. And lastly, this weekend, starting August 5th, is a double XP weekend. So make sure you guys pop in Battleborn and get ready to level your pendles up. Hope to see you guys there. And that'll wrap it up for this week at Gearbox. What are we talking about this week? Well, Matt, I was thinking this week we would go ahead and discuss pendles, obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've had a full week to play with them. And upcoming players that don't have the Season Pass or the Digital Deluxe Edition will finally get their hands on him. Yep. So I figured we'd talk about our matches with him and against him and what we think overall and his place in the Battleborn world. Every night, basically, I've been on and playing, like I stated earlier. Mm-hmm. And I've been playing against Pendles pretty much every match, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And after playing with him against Phoebe or Rendy... And Alani, I can say that Alani I had the most trouble with dealing with Pendles, mm. and uh, I would have had the least difficulty with Phoebe. I know that a lot of people have been stating in the forums, you know, either one way or the other, whether he's overpowered or underpowered, mm. but based off what I've done, I can state that I think he's perfect where he's at. He comes in, he sneaks around, he gets behind you, he poisons you, he, he comes and does some hits, mm. but you have ample time because he doesn't hit that hard to either get away or turn around and engage him. And especially with Phoebe, I found that uh, no matter when he engaged me, I had no problem turning around and going one-on-one with him and usually could win that fight. And even if it was looking like I couldn't, I could always phase gate out. 
Uh, so no problems there. And with a Rendy, obviously she got that uh, change to her helix where she can use Shadowfire Pillar and it reveals enemies all around her no matter uh, where she is. Mm-hmm. And that's helpful against Pendles. But to be truthful, I didn't really think it was that big of a deal either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, because simply put, whenever he would come and engage me, I would just nullify, back off, and decide whether or not to go after him or just get the heck out of Dodge, find the group and or the sentry to protect me. Alani was where I was having some issues because unless I chose her Riptide with the follow option, um, when he got a hold of me, it was just me healing and backing off, trying to find the group again, Mm -hmm. or sentry if I was in incursion. But if I couldn't do that, I was pretty much in a bad place because I couldn't out-damage him. And I don't know if that's just me as a player or if, you know, he is just more DPS than she is. I'm not quite sure, but I did have trouble. So for someone who hates Alani's, maybe you should be Pendles and then you can kill her a lot is basically what you're saying. There you go. So I'm going to be Pendles forever, all the time. Go ahead, except for we already have a team member who chooses Pendles every time, so you're out of luck, buddy. Not if I pick him first. Yeah, delete all your loadouts so you get in there faster, (laughs) right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh... That was a low blow. So before we uh, talk about a little bit more, how were your couple days you did have playing against and with Pendles? Yeah, I think in the uh, couple days before I went on vacation, I was able to play one actual versus match with him. And uh, like you said, mostly been playing against him, guaranteed all the time for the matches I did play. And I'm I'm pretty much right with you. When we first saw his, you know, his helix, his abilities and all that stuff, I was thinking he had a chance to be overpowered. Because, you know, you, you see that you can throw lifesteal on, like, two of his different things. He can up his damage here and there. He can, you know, basically he can upgrade everything. And it sounds, on paper, like he would be totally OP. But in practice, he doesn't seem to do enough burst damage to really be overpowered. I mean, if you have, like, no health and you're trying to run back to the base and he catches you, I mean, that's basically how you're supposed to play him anyway. So I think I think he's pretty much perfect give or take, you know, a, a couple little minor tweaks here and there on a couple things that I'm not a super expert at. But I think he's just perfect right where he is. Because anytime I've been anything more than like a quarter health and he gets on me, I can usually find a way to get out of it or get back to the sentry or, you know, get back under turret range. The only the only issue, not really issue that I have with him is when an enemy pendles just, you know, obviously cloaks right off the bat and then just comes and sits in your base behind the sentry. I guess it's not really a bad thing because he does nothing the whole time he's back there. But like the one time you're running back with little health or the sentry's getting damaged and he can just pop in and just do all that damage. Or, you know, take down your sentry gun or your supply station and then just poof vanish and then you have nothing you can do about it. You can't really displace him unless you're one of those characters that can see him while he's cloaked. I mean, it's not a a big deal overall because I don't think that affects the outcome of matches, but it's just something that's really freaking annoying. Maybe if he gets damaged by a turret or he's in like a turret's range or, or I wouldn't say line of sight, but in like a, a little Within bubble around it, maybe? maybe he'd get revealed or uh-huh. something. Yeah, I did find that quite a bit where some pendles would go back, like you said, to the your base and they would destroy any turrets, any accelerators, any anything you got going on. And this was Meltdown as well. They'd steal your shards if they could. And keep it locked down. And then, like you said, if you're retreating, they would try to pick you off. I respect that, but like you said, it was troublesome if you couldn't spot him. Because then you knew he's back there. 
and there's nothing you could do. So basically, a strategy we had at that point was build no turrets, build no accelerators, move forward, rely upon getting on your sentry, mm-hmm. and if you're in meltdown, you're just out of luck. You rely on going to your uh, health globe and hope he's not there. Uh, so, yeah, I did see that a, a little bit, but I think for the most part, people were playing them pretty fair. Mm. They would do what they're supposed to, which is go back, pop off those turrets, get rid of those accelerators, pick you off if you're not with a group, you know, and uh, generally just cause a lot of chaos. Um, and also to what you were talking about, down the left side of his helix there, it's all about uh, survivability, and then on the right side, it's all about the damage. And you can do a hybrid of one and the other, which would basically put you, of course, middle ground. Mm-hmm. And I do find that if you go full right, you are a force to be reckoned with in the damage department. However, once again, if you're a character like, say, Phoebe, you can just turn around and just wreck Pendles. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a trade-off, and vice versa, obviously. If he goes down the left side, he's getting all that life still, that health back, etc. But like you said, he's got no burst damage. So you have plenty of time to disengage, even if he starts to edge out in the battle. So I I really find that it's pretty fair, as long as you keep your head about you when he uh, pops in on you, yeah. and don't panic. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it, they did a good job of balancing his damage and survivability, like you said, because he can not do great burst damage, but he can't take a lot either. You have to utilize him in a certain way in certain situations which i think is awesome he can't just be oh he's just you know the tank he's just the damage guy you have to sneak you have to pick your spots you gotta pick your poison (laughs) Uh, that was a good one but yeah he's he's you know one of those kind of complex characters where you have to understand him understand how to use him and where to use him and then do that effectively I almost never saw that in the few matches I played. I'm sure people are going to get better with them and everything, but it's just, you know, just one of those complex characters that I really like to see. On that note, do you think he fits in with uh, the other rogue characters, especially Dandy and Shane and Orcs? I'd say he fits in well with them. Well, do you mean like just gameplay wise, or? And what I mean as in stealth, like a stealth character, does does he fit in well as the third real stealth character in the game? Oh yeah, I I, I definitely think he does. He's so pure stealth. Everyone else has momentary stealth. Oscar Mike has his shield generator. Uh, Shane and Oryx can go invis for a little bit. Uh, D&D can pop her clone and then be invisible for, like I said, another little bit. But he's the first like pure stealth character where that's his MO. That's what you have to do with him. That's how he plays. And so I think as that kind of character, I think he's amazing. I would have to agree with you. The little contention was that he's a real stealth character, while the others seem to be just uh, a perk, is that they get to go stealth. But uh, because of his lack of burst and the ability to get away from him, whereas if a Dandy comes at you full throttle, or a Shane and Oryx, uh, they can wreck your house. And he just, in my opinion, can't. Um, And maybe I haven't gone against somebody who is amazing with him yet. Mm. Um, I've seen some videos of them doing really well, but myself... I haven't seen it yet, and I, quite frankly, I like where it is. So hopefully yep. I have seen the gamut, and we don't come across some people who are just insanely untouchable with pendles. Eric, that's going to happen as soon as I get back. First game we play, <laughs> it's going to be pendles 100 nothing and 78, and we're just going to get wrecked. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. It will happen. Yeah, once we get our four or five-man group back together and they start pitting us against uh, 
the elite yep. again. That's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, tying into how we feel about pendles and whatnot, I was also going to bring up today in the future. Who would we like to see? What kind of character class and or archetype would we like to be brought in to Battleborn? Now, this can be mm-hmm. a new archetype we haven't seen or maybe some additions to current archetypes um, that would improve the gameplay and or make more interesting encounters. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a little bit of time to think about it, so I guess I'll go ahead and start by saying uh, I like Galt's whole setup. I love how he's at the shotgun. He's got the traps going. And you want to go ahead and draw people with the hook into the traps and then shotgun them in the face. I think it's a pretty cool concept. And I was going to take that a step further and say we should really get some character classes out there that are more utility. Like they can lay down traps sort of like Galt's but maybe more Uh expansive that would encompass entire tunnels and then back out. And then also have maybe like uh, side shields for other characters. So if if a character's in an engagement, he can put a shield on said character or maybe make a bubble where once in the enemy player can't escape for 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Some just something like that. I think we need a new character type that just focuses on standing back and helping the team out by using shields, traps, other weird mechanisms, such stuff like that. I think that would be pretty mm-hmm. freaking cool. Now, you you'll have to support me on this but i i just want to lay out to everyone out there who's listening that you brought this topic up to me like 15 minutes ago and said this is what we're going to be talking about right <laughs> yeah basically okay well that is the exact character type i was thinking of i was going kind of based off pendles where he ha- he has that one role he's your sneaky poo assassin guy and i was thinking well there's so many other characters that we have already even the healers who can go and spec into like super damage and like be wreck and shop all over the place like the times i go 16 and 2 with reina and i'm just destroying everybody but i think it would be awesome to just have one character who is just a buffer a debuffer a status effect person where they're not throwing out any kind of you know major damage maybe their only attack is just to push you away from them or you know like arendi's nullify just you hit it and it backs you out. But then your abilities are you throw in a, a slow bubble, a stun bubble, a, a, you know, a speed up bubble, you know, something like that. Just area control and, like I said, buffs and debuffs. That kind of character, I think, where the status effects are the main point of them being there. Where even if it, it's they don't even do any damage, but they just last a long time and take up... You know, not a huge chunk, but a big part of the battlefield where they can actually affect engagements. You know, if you're going after the sentry and you throw your bubbles back there and they can't come up to defend it, you know, that that kind of stuff. Where you're not going to get 16 kills as someone who is typically supposed to be a support. You're going to be a pure support. You're back there throwing out, like I said, buffs, debuffs, heals, speed up, speed down. All that kind of stuff. I think that would be amazing. Yep. Glad we agree, as per usual. Um, <laughs> another class of character I was thinking would be actually really nice is a Berserker-type class character. Mm-hmm. Someone who is a glass house but can get in close range and just wreck shop. There, I mean, we kind of have that in some characters, yeah. but I'd like to see maybe a, someone wielding, you know, your traditional giant sword and you just go in and you just start going to town mm-hmm. but the minute they lay damage on you you're going to be toast so it's very important at that point 
that you take and think before you jump into the middle of a battle, or you have a pocket healer, mm-hmm. or maybe you use, utilize this new class that we're thinking of here and uh, get some kind of shield bubbles on you, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be also be kind of fun to see some more melee, berserker, heavy-type class character. Yeah, I I kind of agree with that and kind of don't, because like you said, we do basically have characters that are like that, except maybe you just want them dialed up to 11, where it's just all damage, no health. Because exactly. like even Atticus, they just buffed up his health, and he's he's a go-in-and-throw-damage-on-you kind of guy, but he can be sort of tanky-ish too. Yeah, he can survive an engagement. Mm-hmm. I want a character who has to, once again, make hard decisions on whether is it worth me jumping in, getting these three, four kills, or is it a bad situation where they know I'm going to come, they're going to kill me as soon as I land, and I'm going to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, so then at that point, say you're on incursion, you can be like, well, I'll go do uh, the bots, get the bots down instead, because mm-hmm. right now they see me standing here in the corner waiting to hop in, and they've got an Oscar Mike with his sights trained on me, ready to start laying down some heavy fire. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah, not a bad idea. Like, like I said, I think the only thing would be that it's we kind of almost have that partially. I don't, I don't see yeah. that being like a big thing that everybody wants. Well, was there anything else that you think would be uh, useful in this universe? I've been thinking about it since you mentioned it, and they have most of you know. I'm thinking back to my League of Legends days because they have very specialized characters, and you know they fit very definite roles. There's not really any other kind of role I can think of that I would really want. We have good healers. We have good DPS. We've got a sneaky-poo assassin now. We have long range. We've got melee. We've got tanks. And we've got hybrids of all that. So I think there's not really anything else I can think of that needs to be in there. And I'm you know, I'm sure the new characters that are coming will be hybrids or new playstyles that I haven't even thought of and you haven't thought of. But for now i think it's you know i think it's generally balanced pretty well i don't think anything's missing i think it's just team combinations now and how well they work with each other well speaking of team combinations i think a big reason they probably have not put in some kind of utility uh, based character like that is because currently and as we've said before and others you don't know what the enemy's picking yeah um and that would just wreck the game in my opinion if there was a utility-based character, and we didn't know that they'd pick that, hmm. and so we didn't defend against it, and then all of a sudden, oh, hey, look, there she is. Oh, we have no counter to her. Hmm. They're going to go ahead and run this map on us. So I think for that type of character to exist, we would probably need to be able to see what the team composition is on the opposing side prior to that coming in. Which is definitely something you and I have talked about for a long time. We'd love to be able to see, just even if it's not, you know, ordered and, you know, team A gets first pick, team B gets second pick, and then, you know, trade back and forth. If you can at least see who's going to be over there and counter it, like, oh, gee, you know, they're going to have a Pendles, which is pretty much guaranteed right now, but we better have our stealth detection person. We better have somebody who can see him, who can find out where he's at. And, this brings up another thing that, uh, you know, the seeing the team choice thing. Uh, Danny was talking to me a while back, our social media person, and she said it might be a good idea to even have it be like, and you might have to do this in like a, a quote fingers competitive queue or something, but 
if you're seeing each other's characters, maybe in that match there are unique characters. So if Team A picks a Wrath, Team B doesn't get to pick Wrath. If we're going up against that team of five hundreds who are going to smash us, and Brian picks Wrath and you pick Deandy or you know whoever, that's who they were going to pick. Now they have to play with their lesser characters, and it could be more even. The problem with that, I think, is that you'd be limiting people on picking their character, not only on a on a one side scale as it is now, but then on the other side too. So now you've got multiple tunes getting picked you know quickly mm-hmm. that the other team now can't use i don't know I, I think people might get upset and balk uh at the fact that they can't use their favorite character because the opposing team has it but i understand where you're coming from and that it'd be difficult to figure out a way to do it legitly except for you pick one you pick one you pick mm-hmm. one because if you're not if you're just playing on a pug and one that one guy picks this guy and you know you need a counter but say you picked first well now you're just hoping and praying that the pugs that you're with Mm -hmm. decide to pick someone who can counter that individual otherwise it's a loss or maybe not a loss i shouldn't go that far but you're at a disadvantage and then you're going to get what already happens is people going oh this is over i'm i'm just disconnecting yeah Yeah, as soon as you started to to say that i was thinking well if some if player X doesn't get a certain character, he's just going to leave or give up. They have a lot more quitters, a lot more disconnects. But at the same time, I think part of the beauty of this game is playing all the different characters and figuring out who fits your fancy instead of just sticking with one single character. So if you had a system like this and somebody picked Reyna and somebody picked Oscar Mike and somebody picked Eldragon, well, I'm going to have to learn how to play Benedict well or you know, I'm going to try out Deandy because we need a stealth-ish character and you know, that's who I feel most comfortable with. I think it would encourage a lot more experimentation and a lot less of just, I'm just going to play Wrath, and I'm just going to play Wrath, and if somebody picks Wrath, I'm going to go away. Yeah, I hear that. Diversity, as we always say, is the spice of life. Well, I guess we should leave this to the listeners. What do you guys think? Should there be a uh, visibility on the other end so you know what you're coming up yes, against? Should. should it be there, there should, there should, yes. uh, one and one and one and one? Should it just be a free-for-all until the timer goes down to nothing? You know, Let us know what you mm-hmm. think because we're interested to see uh, what the community wants to do with that. Because yeah. I, I do think overall something needs to change a little bit, especially because, as I said, it'll allow us to diversify and make even more unique characters mm-hmm. to go up against in the future. Yep, definitely. And speaking of feedback, uh, it's time to dip into the mailbag. I got our two random questions from, well, from Facebook, Twitter, from any place else. Let me see. We've got a question from James on Facebook. He asks, who is your favorite Gearbox character, and which Hollywood actor would you like to see cosplay that favorite character? Hmm. Good question. Well, my favorite character would have to be Tiny Tina, but... She's perfect the way she is. I don't think anybody could do her justice. What immediately pops in my head, though, is Roland being played by Eldris Alba, uh, an actor, if you're not familiar with him, is currently in the newest Star Trek, and he also plays one of the commanders in Pacific Rim. Uh, I think he'd make a great Roland. So, yeah, I think that... uh, Or maybe even uh, Krieg being Dwayne Johnson. That might be humorous. Who knows? 
Yeah, a good question. As soon as I saw this question, put it in the mailbag, there's one character that jumped out to mind, and that is Mr. Torg. And there's only one person in Hollywood or the actor sphere right now that has both the physique and the charisma to carry that off, and that's Terry Crews. I mean, you know, sure, he's not going to look the same as Mr. Torg for obvious reasons, but who better to be a muscled-up, screaming, pumped-up guy? He'd be the Old Spice guy again, but with crazy hair and, like, explodey stuff. It'd be awesome. Your face is going to look awesome on radio! That's something definitely I'd like to hear uh, listeners what they think, what their favorite characters are and who their Hollywood counterparts would be. But I do agree that uh, your pick for Torg was amazing and would be awesome. So, all right, guys, that's our two questions. That's not the no, two it's questions. Not our two questions. Son of a bitch. <laughs> so our second question today comes from Danny, our social media person again. She asks, do you think there should be a penalty for people who rage quit and or surrender a match? I for sure do. Uh, we've kind of already harped on this a little bit, but I think that anyone who picks the surrender should be heavily taxed uh, in their points at the end of a, at the well, when the match ends, obviously. Because I cannot tell you how many times we go into a match, they get two or three hits, say, on the incursion. So the sentry gets hit once or twice, and they're pushing us, and it doesn't look great. And all of a sudden, surrender, it's over. We didn't try. It just, oh, hey, this ain't going our way immediately. I just give up. Mm -hmm. I, I despise that, and I feel that people who vote to do that should just, you get nothing. You walk away from that match, fine, nothing. You get nothing, but anybody who didn't choose that at least gets, you know, the minimum uh, 300 or whatever it is credits. Yeah, I I could kind of see it either way because there are some matches that, I mean, we're just getting stomped and there's no point in continuing anymore. Like we said, we're not really entirely sure where the, how the rewards are weighted, where they come from, but I think it should be weighted based on how much of the match you've completed. Like, if you voted for surrender as soon as you were able to, you should get way diminished rewards. Versus if you, you know, you're going through this grueling frickin' match and it's just not going your way and they're just sitting there toying with you and you surrender, you know, with five, ten minutes left of the match, then I think you should get more reward than if you did if you surrendered right off the bat. Well, they tried to control it already, didn't they? They've got a timer before surrender even becomes available. Right, right. And then if it fails, you have to wait another uh, amount of time before you get a second chance. I just don't think it's quite enough because, as I said, when you first get going, by the time you're engaged in the middle, by the time someone makes a push one way or the other, uh, that timer's available. Mm -hmm. So at that moment, you can just give up if it doesn't look like it's going your way. True, true. The better, the more interesting part of the, uh, the question that Danny asked is, for people who just rage quit or just AFK in the base, well, I mean, if you get disconnected from a match, because I have honestly gotten disconnected from one, and you ju- try to jump back in, it says, hey, your match is still available. Do you want to try and join it again? But I think you should have no choice but to join it for that the duration of that match, whatever it is. And if you are a frequent lever, like they, they should maybe add that for one of the reporting, uh, one of the reporting options, just, you know, quit or disconnected because there's the there's the frequently idle but you can kind of get around that by saying oh my connection is not that great or i had a pizza man at the door or whatever but if you regularly leave games early and don't go back into them to finish them 
you you got to have some kind of some kind of ban. Thirty minutes, forty five minutes. I don't know how long they would want it to be because I don't know the metrics on how often this happens. But I think if you're a frequent lever, if you're someone who does that all the time, you need to be punished on an account wide basis. I agree. Uh, I'm all about uh, harsh and swift punishment. So. Anybody who disconnects on purpose, doesn't come back to the match, anybody who's rage quitting or standing idle at the base should receive no points. And then to boot, as you said, if it happens often, have some sort of penalization in-game as well. Um, Maybe take credits, which would enrage people. Um, There's the usual, which is banned for suspend the account for three days. But um, I don't know, something that'd be up to Gearbox, really. But something should happen to them. Yeah, there's there's basically no punishment that wouldn't enrage people. But, I mean, every other MOBA has systems like this, where if you are a troll, you know, if you're abusive, if you DC all the time, if you just AFK in the base and you get enough reports, well, generally, and I, I hope this is the case, you're going to get penalized for it. You know, this is kind of a MOBA. That, that needs to happen here, too. Yes, sir. It sure does. All right, gents and ladies, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. We'd love to thank all of you for tuning in. It's just been fantastic. These last few episodes we've done, we've gotten to see people from all over the world checking us Mm -hmm. out, and that's just a super humbling experience. I don't know about you, Matt, but I'm excited to keep doing these. It's just awesome. Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely blown up way bigger and faster than either of us thought it ever would for months and months down the road. I mean, you and I were talking, you know, before – this last big surge and saying, well, you know, if we still had just like 10 people listening every week, it would be amazing. But the numbers are way bigger than that. So we definitely want to thank you guys. We appreciate it. We we appreciate the love. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Also, just want to say we'd love to get some feedback from you guys, whether it be uh, on topic, whether it be questions for us. Uh, just go ahead and get a hold of us via anything we're on, Facebook, um, all that stuff. Matt will go ahead and give it to you. <laughs> Because you will screw it up. That's right. Uh, you can find us, as always, on the web at thirdshift.me. You can email us. That's info at thirdshift.me. We're on Facebook under Third Shift. We're on Twitter at thirdshiftme. That's thirdshiftme. We're on Reddit. We're on Tumblr. We're on Instagram. We're on Vine. We're on YouTube. We're freaking everywhere. You can find the podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Podomatic, where we've always been. You can hit it up on the website. Uh, we upload to YouTube as well. So... Anywhere you want to find us, you can find us. All right. Until next time, ladies and gents, don't Don't forget forget to to save. save. Shut up and sit down.